0: They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they they attack us because we're over there. We don't need to go populist left or populist right. We don't need to embrace neo-Marxism or neo-fascism, these disastrous movements from the 20th century. Turns out the answer is pretty much our Bill of Rights. Our story. Embrace freedom. That's the answer. And if the LP has a
1: purpose, it's not to put people to sleep. It's to wake them up.
0: We're here because we love liberty. And we're here because we hate injustice. We are here to save mankind. We are here to fight.
1: Join us, the Libertarian Party, in perhaps the most exciting, grandest endeavor in history, the restoration of America. Liberty.
0: Ideas spread. They can't stop them. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government. Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party, Mises Caucus, and Mises Peck. I'm Aaron Harris, and I'm your host. Um, this is, as I said, episode 101. We just had. Uh, Uh, episode 100, the live episode with Scott Horton and Michael Heiss uh, talking about the Take Human Action Tour, which is in full swing by the time you hear this. Um, So go to takehumanactiontour.com to find out about uh, the dates uh, that are convenient for you. New York has probably already happened by this uh, point, but uh, Chicago, uh, Nashville, which uh, I'll be hosting that event uh, then Austin, which uh, our our guest for today is going to be at that uh, uh, event. And that is April 29th and 30th. The Nashville one is April 22nd and 23rd. Then um, after Austin, it's on to Oakland and then Denver and Denver's on Memorial Day weekend. So uh, you really want to check these out. There's a great lineup at each one. And then, of course, the free campaign training events on the Sundays, uh, after the speakers on Saturday. Um, and, uh, it's all part of the project decentralized revolution strategy, getting those uh, hundred plus, I think we've got 200 or so, uh, uh, people signed up to get campaign training, to be a candidate or campaign manager, uh, to run for local offices, libertarians, uh, this year, 2023 and next year, 2024. 20, uh, uh, and my guest today, uh, who, as I mentioned, is going to be at the Austin event, uh, along with uh, Maj Touré, Scott Horton, Antonia Okafor, Mike Meharry, and Murray Sabrin. Uh, Josie, the redhead libertarian, is my guest today. And we did record this one a couple of weeks ago. And uh, uh, just a couple of weird things happened, uh, scheduling things, and it's all my fault, but um, but, uh, Josie was kind enough to, to record a little while ago. And so I think everything's still relatively, uh, current and, uh, but, uh, you just get a, 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 a taste of, uh, what Josie's like, if you don't know her from her work with, uh, Tim cast. And of course she's all over Twitter. She's got a great uh, presence on there. Um, so, uh, you want to check her out, uh, uh Links to all that uh, stuff that she does, uh, in addition to the Take Human Action Tour stuff, is going to be over at DecentralizedRevolution.com slash 101. And uh, let's get to it with uh, my talk with Josie, the redheaded libertarian. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, Josie. Um, Mike uh, Heiss uh, has told me a lot about you, and I've checked out some of your stuff here recently. So for those uh, people who don't know you too well, just tell tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how you got into this whole uh, Libertarian thing.
1: Sure. My name is Josie. I am the redheaded Libertarian over on Twitter and I do outside media work at timcast.com. I just, I I've always kind of been a Libertarian and uh, I didn't really find that out until 2012 when I found the Ron Paul revolution and I still was kind of looking for a place to be myself So around 2017, I got onto Twitter and I started making friends and then more friends and then more friends. And now I've got an account of about three hundred and thirty thousand.
0: Well, that's I don't know how you can do it, because every time I go on Twitter, my mental health just like goes in the toilet. I can't take (laughs) it. So uh, but I know there are a lot of good people who are 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 doing good things on there. So what what what's your take on Twitter, uh, especially from. Uh, a libertarian perspective uh, over the last few months since Elon took it over. How was it before, and and what's it like now?
1: Well, to start, I actually I was banned for a year and a half. Uh, not never knew why. But the day, the day after Elon announced he was going to buy Twitter, I got my account back randomly the next day. Wow. So um, yeah, and from there I grew it from. I got a I had, had about 72,000 and I grew it up to what I have now uh over the course of about 9 months. Um so I'm loving not being shadow banned. I'm loving having my account back. I like the free speech. I love the things that are able to trend now that were never really able to trend before. Um whether it's about uh war or uh the vaccine or anything controversial, we're able to talk about it now.
0: Right. Yeah. I
1: appreciate- I've
0: noticed that too. Like again, I I I, I check in there two or three times a week. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like you, I'm, I am very heartened by things that you do see. Not only do you see it in your feed because I basically only follow, uh, libertarians and like baseball Mm -hmm. stuff, but like, um, uh, you see it not only in your feed, but in the trending thing, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. what is, um, what is your take on? So I think the, I've heard a couple other people say that the, uh, like the blue check marks pre Elon, one of the reasons they're so, um, you know, upset about all this is because they, you know, they just had this little playground. They, they had the status of being, you know, Hey, I work for the Washington post or whatever. So therefore my opinions are more valid. And I think that it's funny now that they don't have that, and that anybody can get a blue check mark. I think it just further reinforces what a lot of people already thought, which was how deeply unimpressive a lot, a lot of these people are. Um, so, what's uh, are they still complaining about that? I thought they were all going to leave and go somewhere else. Um, what's what are they saying now? Well,
1: they're always bloviating about that. But um, well, I, I bought a check mark. Um, because for me, I like to do the long form videos on Twitter. And so, um, I'm able to do that. I'm able to have a four or five, six minute video if I want on Twitter now. And that was what was important to me to have it. Um, so you still get people, um, who come at you like, I can't believe you bought a check mark. Like, I can't believe you pay $8 to use a free app. And it's like, well, I pay for the perks. And well, right. another thing is like, um, if you pay for it, your, uh, y- your comments go right to the top so mm. your first scene and it helps you grow it helps you grow your brand you know so there's a lot of a lot of perks to having it I don't really see too many blue checks complaining anymore about it um and as far as I know we're all gonna or everybody's gonna have to go to this paid system soon soon enough because Elon had said that there's a lot of corruption and who got a blue check and who didn't so yeah it's gonna put everyone at the same starting line
0: yeah I always thought that was like really really interesting that certain people who were very well, Uh, well-known and well-established, if they were just not quite, you know, 100% uh, Mm -hmm. in the the mainstream, they just for some reason couldn't get it. And um, I I think it's, uh, yeah, I hope more and more comes out about all that. Um, And the one thing, and I think we all knew as libertarians, but that is still just jaw-dropping to me that, like, normal people don't talk about is the extent to which You know, the FBI and other government agencies were, I mean, it was, it's basically was, you know, effectively kind of a PR arm for the regime, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if, if you have those people in the, literally in the building, or, you know, can get somebody on Slack right away, and you're complying with all their requests, like, how different is that from like a state run media channel?
1: It's exactly the same. Yeah. There's, there is no different. It's unconstitutional. Um, it's, it's not a free market. Um, it's not the free market at all. That's, that's the government, um, controlling speech. That's exactly what it is. And it's, it's horrifying that that happened and that it is still happening. I mean, maybe not at Twitter as much, but at other places, it's still Mm -hmm. happening and that's, that's, that's terrifying that it is happening.
0: So what's working for you as far as getting a libertarian, message out there these days in the new environment
1: um i'm just able to i'm just able to tweet freely now i i don't have to censor myself the way that i used to and censorship um censorship just is the worst possible thing it's it's terrible especially like i, I was forced to be censored for a year and a half but um even when i was there i had to be careful of how i said my words i had to avoid topics now i can speak freely and I'm able to do that. And speaking freely is the best way to get your message across.
0: Mm-hmm. So what what uh, what sort of themes or approaches seem to work best for uh, reaching people who are kind of close to libertarianism, but aren't quite there yet? Like I spent a lot of time thinking about those type of people who kind of get it, but then once in a while they have this like horrible take. And mm-hmm. um, but I think that somebody who is engaged on Twitter, uh, a fairly uh, a bigger chunk than in a lot of other places, I think they're maybe a little more willing to listen to another viewpoint. So, what are, are you, what's working to bring people who maybe are are conservative or are you know moderates or you know old school liberals? What what do you see, if anything, that's uh, that's bringing those people our, our direction? Um,
1: I'm finding, let me see, I'm finding ways to reach them. Um, When I'm able to go on shows like I went on TimCast in Real Life um, just this past week, um, and I'm able to talk as a libertarian, but be myself and Mm -hmm. talk about my ideas, and people are able to see that they're kind of similar to me. A lot of people hear libertarian and they think this is this extreme uh, faction of something like they were fringe. And they realize... They might be libertarian too, and being able to spread my ideas through podcasting in that way uh, brings a lot of people in. I also find that I host spaces um, on Twitter, and I find that when I can do when I can host a debate in a space, that brings people in because debates are never for you and the other person. You're rarely going to change a mind, yep. but the people that are watching your audience. Those are the fence sitters. And those are the people who aren't really sure or maybe have, think they have a conclusion, but don't really know. And those are the mm. people who are watching. And those are the minds you're going to change. So I find doing spaces, going on podcasts, even uh, retweeting something um, with a very normal take um, yep. that might be, they might have an extreme take. I might have just a normal take on it. Those are ways to all bring people into towards the Liberty movement when they see that they're a lot less like you.
0: Yeah. Do you get a sense that um, some of the fallout from the the virus stuff and, the uh, you know, it seems like every couple of weeks or something, you know, there's a little bit of information from this department or that department or showing that they they knew they screwed something up or masks didn't work or, or whatever. Like, I would think so at the beginning of all this, a couple of months into, um, you know, after March 2020, like I was. I was really disheartened by how many Americans just totally lay down and took it, right? Like, like they didn't fight back. They didn't question. And I, I can see the first couple of weeks you're waiting to see, because, I, you know, at the beginning they were like, oh, this thing can incubate for 15 days and then people start dropping dead. So like I was a little, you know, my parents are old. I was a little careful and all that stuff. So, But after a couple of weeks, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of what I think it is but so many Americans didn't do that. But then, you know, we have two and a half, three years of this. Um, I hope that somehow we can reach people and that, that when we say, Hey, you know, Hey, we were right all along. And if we can do that without coming across as too, uh, too much of a jerk, like, do, do you think that I, I, I got to believe there's a, at least a some chunk of the American people who, we'll be like, yeah, we totally got screwed. And I'm never gonna look at the media or the government the same way again.
1: I think that the pandemic was eye-opening for a lot of people in that regard. I think that you went one way or the other, it either opened your eyes or you got more crazy. Mm -hmm. There's no middle ground. There's no one who just kind of was like sitting on the fence the whole time. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go with the flows. Like, no, you either are, you know, have six vaccinations, wear a mask everywhere still, or you're just like, whatever, I'm just gonna roll with it. you know, like, like where we're, we're kind of like that at this point where we're smart. We'll play it by ear. If uh, something happens like this again, I mean, I have my thoughts on the uh, pandemics happen every 100 years. So if they're threatening more pandemics, uh it's not good. Right. Um, so um yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be smart about things and, but we're also logical. We're highly yep. logical people.
0: Yeah. I always thought uh, a couple of months into it that um, the, the part of it that really struck me the most was the fact that um sort of the what we were supposed to do kind of changed every week. It's like first, OK, I, I distinctly remember at first they were like, well, keep six feet apart. And if you can't do that, wear a mask. And then a couple of days later, it's like, oh, no, you need to wear a mask everywhere. And then it was, you know, again, just all kinds of things shifting And I I felt like this was a big game of Simon Says, and it hit me that it's like, oh, they're just running through all this stuff to see what people will put up with Mm -hmm. and and what what people will do. So I I always was of the opinion, I still am, that. I think that was a dress rehearsal for, for something, something worse. So
1: I, I'm really worried about this avian flu that they're talking about. Like just in my circles of email, messages that I get, DMs that I get, it's, I, I'm worried about this one, this one, this one scares me.
0: I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard that one yet. I, I know that there's been a couple of times in my life where i I've, I've heard of that every once in a while, it's the swine flu or the avian flu. Mm-hmm. So is that
1: this is one? That they're trying narrative to- coming? Yeah. So this one they did gain a function to get it to transfer to humans and there's a sixty percent fatality rate.
0: Okay. That's so, not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good at all. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know, I I mean I get other things that it's all unverified as other um that's that's all I know that is verified, but I get unverified DMs from people who are within different factions that might know different things that are all scaring me, all on the same page, but I I don't I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that um there's there's a natural immunity or something that um because it, it was in cambodia where it was transferring to humans yeah. i i don't know i don't know much i know there's a lot of jungle in cambodia i don't yeah. know much beyond that so i don't know it's all speculation i hope i hope we don't get an avian flu but yeah the swine flu the avian flu it all circulates every now and then so we'll yeah.
0: see It's probably just another nothing burger hopefully hopefully mm-hmm. um so one thing and i'd be interested in, in your take on this. Um, that uh, over the last week or so, uh, we're recording this on February 27th, that there's just been the the couple of times when I have gone on Twitter, there's just like tons of debate on like national divorce. Uh, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene said something about it. And of course, all the the, uh, Liz Cheney types came after on that. And you know a couple of weeks a couple of years ago um, really the Mises caucus for five years we've been pushing hey you know we need to decentralize this we cannot continue going down this road we have to allow different uh, cities and states to do different things we have to push nullification uh, and, and things like that and so it's amazing in just a few years of course we're not the only ones but that 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 uh, phrase and that idea is now sort of being, widely talked about and it's the fact that it's bringing a lot of backlash from a lot of the old blue check mark types like it tells me we're we're over the target so mm-hmm. what do you think about that
1: well uh from a constitutional standpoint it is unconstitutional
0: um well it's not texas, no, let me stop you right no, no. there it's texas, absolutely not
1: no texas v white ruled it unconstitutional in 1869 so it technically is it technically is by bi- a SCOTUS ruling, unconstitutional. That doesn't mean it can't be overturned. That doesn't mean we can't relook really at it. But there is, this is, I'm, I'm not, this isn't my opinion. Right. It's not my opinion. This is, right. I, I dug into this to see. And so right after they passed the Reconstruction Amendments, which yeah. made being able to divorce, like, nearly impossible because anything is gonna look like treason. You've seen how loose they've thrown over treason and oh, yeah. they're just throwing it around. Right. Um so so after they did that they wanted to prosecute uh Jefferson Davis. That right. that was what they wanted to do. That never happened because no judge would touch that because right. our country was built on a national divorce. Yep. our country was built on it. So no nobody wanted to touch it. So they ended up just throwing it away and Jefferson Davis was never was never um charged with treason. Right. So but then they, after that happened, after they passed the Reconstruction Amendments, after they never charged, after he never, um, never goes down for treason, they just quickly passed this little scotus ruling, Texas v. White, that says, no, no, you can't do that, you can't divorce, and that's right. all, and then it, it just fell into history, and that's it. So, so it's on pages that it is, but if that were to be brought back up again with like our Supreme Court, it, it's unconstitutional. Like that's the thing. Like the they ruled it okay. they ruled it unconstitutional. But the ruling itself is unconstitutional. Right. Yeah, I mean?
0: That. that's yeah, that's the thing mm-hmm. is like there's a ton of, of mm-hmm. uh, uh, Supreme Court rulings that are on the face of them. Exactly. Unconstitutional. Like, again, like Plessy,
1: Plessy versus Ferguson was overturned right. by Brown versus the Board of Education. You know, this right. happens. Dred Scott overturned it It all. It, it just because something is a ruling doesn't mean it can't be overturned, but they pushed a lot of crap through in the 18th hundreds that should not have been passed through um and i believe national divorce is one of them so
0: yeah but I, I mean that's it's one of those things where if um like if a state were to do that new hampshire mm-hmm. or texas or i hope tennessee because i'm yeah. in tennessee like okay okay we did it so what are you going to do you know do, yep. I, I think that one are argument
1: for treason like what are you going to do what's the next step exactly
0: Right. And I think it's interesting that people and even some of the um, I don't know what to call them, the the mm-hmm. sort of uh, blue pilled or, you know, um, regime libertarians or whatever are, are all saying this. It's like, oh, you pushing national divorce. You're just advocating another civil war. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. so you think it's OK. Do you think you think that And people who are anybody who's saying you can't do this, it's been decided? um, it's basically saying, okay, if we leave, you're going to send tanks in to, to, to murder people who did this. Like, what are you listening to yourself? And like you said, like the whole country is built on, you know, the declaration of independence, which explicitly states, you know, it's the right of the people to alter abolish it. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's so funny to me watching these people who, you know, claim to uh, you know, Advocate the Constitution, especially, you know, like the Liz Cheney types or whatever like that, that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the Declaration of Independence precedes the Constitution, but like the whole framework is that it's a compact of the states and people saying, hey, if you don't, if you don't want to stay in this agreement forever, then we will kill you. Like, that's so, that's so bizarre to me that, that a, a, a person would actually think that.
1: Imagine staying in a marriage because the person you were with is going to kill you. If you
0: don't, that's what it is. No, it's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And, and it goes back to, uh, and if you kind of take that analogy, like all the other sort of stuff, the government does, it, it really kind of is what an abusive, you know, husband would do. It's like, well, you know, I'm the only one who can protect you. So like all the stuff that, Um, you know, the spy balloons and the viruses and all this stuff, it's like, well, if the government weren't there, then that stuff would get us, you know, so it's the whole thing is, is almost exactly like uh, uh, an abusive relationship. And the fact that it's, it, it doesn't surprise me anymore, but it used to surprise me that someone could have, could see something very clearly on one issue, but then take it over to another sphere and they totally throw out their values and their logic, mm-hmm. um, and all that. So I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you talk to somebody like that.
1: I, I, um, I try not to take it personally. Mm-hmm. Anything. I'm like, i like, I keep my, my feelings out of it and I'm able to just engage and just ask questions. And a lot of times you can ask them questions until they walk themselves into a circle or contradict themselves. And then you're like, ha, right mm-hmm. there. And that's the part that you would hone in on. So being able to talk to somebody is like a science at this point. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the time is because you're talking, you, you maybe you're talking to each other online and there's no, you can't sense tone. Yep. So you have to kind of be able to use your words, wordsmith, very calmly, like be able to have a tone perceived that isn't threatening. And that's, that's difficult to do right now.
0: Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about, you have, is that the, Declaration and the Constitution, there behind you, I yes, guess. It is. Yes. So, um, I I always have I'm kind of a, of two minds a, about that. I, I I generally come down on the the Lysander Spooner, mm-hmm. you know, side of things. But you look at history that in, in and even though the Constitution, I think was a was basically a coup. Um, that it was all the people who passed it had financial interest in setting something up that way, the banking system, like it, but uh, even with all that, it has kind of kept government at bay, I think longer than it would have uh, otherwise. Um, do you think there's, but, but again, I, I don't really, I think that a lot of conservatives think that somehow there's like a magic wand that if we find this wand, it's we're just going to go back to the constitution and everything will be just like, you know, James Madison, you know, wanted it. So I, I, I have a hard time, like, do I as a libertarian argue from a constitutional perspective um, or not? Um, and I'm guessing maybe that you, you like to, do you like to use the constitution? And, uh, and so, yeah, tell me about that. So I'm a Bill
1: of Rights libertarian. Yeah. Anything that they passed that didn't abuse their power could have all been done under the Ninth Amendment. They didn't need to add extra amendments like this. They could have just said, "Oh no, this is constitutional because the Ninth Amendment says." Mm-hmm. Because we didn't write it down, doesn't mean that you can't. Doesn't mean doesn't mean it's not a right. Um, as long as it's a negative right, which is something that you don't need another person to help you with. Like a positive right would be healthcare, education, things that you need somebody else's, who's um, somebody somebody else to help you with the government to help you with or um, another person to help you with, then that becomes a positive right. But negative rights, like your speech, your protest, things like that, like that's all that's all constitutional. What, Why I am such a big supporter of the Bill of Rights is the 10th Amendment, the 10th Amendment, and that's the state's rights amendment. And that is what that is what kept states like Florida and South, Car- um, and South Carolina and South Dakota all becoming California and New York during the pandemic. Because they were trying to bring stuff down and the states were like, they were either like, okay, you know, we're going to follow these WHO guidelines or whatever, or they're like, no, we're going to do our own thing and we're going to be fine. And that's, and and that is our fail safe. So whenever the uh, federal government became too powerful, the 10th amendment was able to step in and say, no, we're not going to, we're not doing this. We're not doing yeah. this. Um, and and that's, that's what holds out. That's, that's the last, um, that's the fail safe. That's the last um, piece that that holds our country together um, is the 10th Amendment.
0: And I think that I agree with you there that I think that that that's the one thing that we really should be stressing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael Bolden, the 10th Amendment Center, they've been doing work on this for I think he's been around 15 years or so now trying to get uh, states to, to pass bills like defend the guard or to, to legalize, uh, you know, a particular substance or or something like that. And then when it's challenged in court or in the court of public opinion, it's like, Hey, you know, we don't have the, the federal government doesn't have the right to, to, to tell us uh, what to do on this. And Mm -hmm. so I, I think that that's the one thing that, um, I I still like talking about national divorce, but like if the compromise position in the midterm ends up being that the 10th amendment is, is respected. um, Then I think we've gotten a lot farther uh, along than, than we would have been. What uh, are you seeing any, what do you think? um, Now that the, the virus stuff is over. um, What do you think might be, things that might work as far as getting states to assert their um you know their differences from the federal government on what do you see out there
1: um i i believe i think that we're seeing it we're, we're seeing states stronger now than they've been since since like the civil war um more more um like, like I'd actually had a conversation recently about how when we were kids, oh, I want to move to Florida because it's sunny and it's warm and Disney World is there. But now mm-hmm. you want to move to Florida because their governor is not a tyrant, mm-hmm. and and we're able to see the differences in the states. We're able to see fifty separate sovereign states at this point, as opposed to just we're we're able to see these United States as opposed to the United States. We're able to see the differences now. Yeah, I think I think that that's really that's really important in moving forward because states are starting to kind of get their own identities again when it comes to how they want to live what their people want what their state legislatures want um and i think that that's that's the way forward i always i've always felt like um it was a more pragmatic way forward is a strong states rights um identifiable states rights where we look like 50 separate countries with trade agreements yeah Um, that that's how I see us moving forward pragmatically and logically. I think that that's, that probably happened before a national divorce. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just my opinion.
0: No, I think so. Um, so give me your take on DeSantis. I mean, I, I, I can kind of tell from what you just said, what you think about what he has done, but where do you think he's, he's going, uh, is he going to try to, uh, other thing other issues to, to, to play that, uh, 10th amendment card, uh, uh, for Florida. Is he going to run for president? Like I, cause I, I have, I have my own thoughts, but I haven't really looked at him that much, but what do you see happening in Florida and with, uh, uh, DeSantis in particular over the next couple of years?
1: Well, I moved to Florida for the governor because I moved from Massachusetts last year. Um, there was a lot of tyranny, I was uh, had to protect my children because um, the trans agenda up there was really bad. It was coming for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to Florida for the, government, for, for the governor, um, who was doing everything that Massachusetts wasn't. And um, I voted for him for my governor. I didn't vote for him for my president. So I would like him to stay my governor and run out his term or as long as he can be my governor. And then I would like to see him as president. But I'd like to see him run his course as governor first.
0: Yeah. So what what would you like to see him do um, to to push, uh, take what he's done and, and keep going with it? Um, you know, uh, if he were to stay and you were advising him, mm-hmm. what would you tell him to do to make Florida that much better and that much different from the rest of the U.S.?
1: Uh, we need concealed carry. Uh, we need, um, the carry permits. That's a big thing that we don't really have. They need to get rid of the red flag laws. That's another thing. Um, he does a lot to protect children when it comes to the trans agenda, when it comes to CRT, when it comes to uh, school shootings, he's perfect. Like I, he was perfect. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other States, like there's no one even close. And I think a lot of other States should, to take, um, to take note of what he's doing and do it in their States. Um, so, so when it comes to guns, they're not that great. It's it's not great here. Um, so I would I would move that way. I'd move for medical or um, recreational marijuana. That'd be another thing that is really stupid to be um, to be banned. That mm-hmm. We don't have here. So that'd be another libertarian way to move. Um, but I mean, I, I like him. I I think he's doing a great job. Everything that's important to me, he is um, he's working on,
0: yeah. and the
1: state legislature is working on.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the you know, the, the CRT stuff and the trans stuff that he, you know, obviously he's made a lot of uh, headlines um, over that. Do you get the sense that the, the mood in the country is like shifting on that, on that
1: stuff at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I think that it's, you're going one way or you're going the other. There's no one really in the middle ground on it. Mm -hmm. They're like opposed to it or you for it. And um, I, I think that we're seeing states go in one way or the other, and I like to see them going opposed it, uh, opposing it for sure. Um, but I think that that national divorce makes sense in the fact that we are like so extreme on our views. You're either one way or you're the other. And there's there isn't a lot of middle ground left. Um, so that makes sense in that way. Um, but yeah, yes. I, I see it. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think
0: it is that uh, since, like the, I think this first kind of came onto the national scene with like the trans bathroom bill and like North Carolina or something three or four years ago. What have you seen that's happened over the last few years that has to the point now where I think people are starting to finally look at this and say, "Hey, what, what's going on? What what has happened to to make people look at it?"
1: Uh, the drag shows. Mm-hmm. drag shows that's what's really doing it um because it started with the bathrooms and men and went you know biological men and female spaces which is not okay and then it, it went into the schools and then it's like oh we don't want to discriminate against kids and you're seeing the slippery slope happen yep. um and then it's like okay well now we're going to do story time we're just going to read books to your kids right but now it's drag shows it's we are dancing provocatively for your children in a thong and they're giving us money and that's that's where people are like nope Not happening. That's where they, that's where they snapped, you know, because it's, there's no, there's no reason that that's not acceptance. That's they're not looking for acceptance when they want to shake their butt in front of your, your seven-year-old child. Yeah. That's, and, and people are logical enough to see that. And that's why it's getting shut down. That's, that's why.
0: Yeah. I I think it's amazing that uh, people will sort of like defend that and say that you're kind of crazy for like, even, questioning that like i mean what kind of world did people live in that you would think that that's not at least somewhat questionable like the you could biggest, debate like you could debate like how much damage it does to somebody but as a parent you would seems to me uh you would say what good can come out of this not only you know you're supposed to protect your child from harm but you're also supposed to put good things in their lives and like what what possible reason what possible good thing could, could come out of taking a 10 year old to something like that?
1: People are so afraid of being called a bigot and they Mm -hmm. want to look, they want to look like they're accepting and they want to look like they, they wear their children as like um, status symbols. Mm -hmm. So if they have a woke kid or if they have a trans kid or it shows that they're doing a good job as a parent, that's their, that's their status. and, And if, and also if you have like a trans kid, then that's also a shield where you can't be criticized and your child can't be criticized. And, um, you know, you bring them like groomers, groomers hide in places where they are to be accepted without question. So we used to see that more in church, you know, because it was a community place and you were trusted and everybody gathered there and there were children you had access to children and you were a trusted adult with access to children that's that was you know exposed 20 years ago and we don't really hear about that happening now anymore because it was exposed 20 years ago now it's in schools mm-hmm. schools if you if you were to google um sexual assault school you're going to get two of them a week that we know about yeah two. so that's that's just what we know about like that twice a week there are teachers being caught assaulting students twice a week. Yeah. So you know if you want to add that up, that's just what we know about. I mean, that means probably happening a lot more if we're catching two of them. Yeah. Only two of them. Uh so so that's what they do. They so so the bad people didn't change. It's they where they are accessing children changed. They found yeah. another place. And so they access children in schools. They access children in the LGBT community. That's Mm. another place that's protected and safe in a community.
0: Um, So, well, I I think that's, I think you hit on something in there that I think people, um, just sort of normal, everyday Americans, um, something has happened over the last 20 years or so that, pardon me, that I think people, they don't want to be seen as not nice, right? Like, so I think a lot of this stuff has, Taken hold where, um, you know, I, I'm obviously not for banning drag shows or whatever uh, f- when they take place among adults who want to be there and they're not publicly funded. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But the fact that people, because they don't want to be seen as intolerant or not nice or not compassionate, that we haven't stood up and, like, oh, okay, no, we're not doing that here. You know, I think that sometimes uh, uh, people who people will say, "Oh, you're a libertarian. It should be whatever people want to do." It's like, no, it's people should be able to again do what they want to do in their own spaces and not push things on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and simply standing up. And so now that people are kind of standing up and saying, "Hey, maybe we better not have this in school. Maybe we better not have this graphic novel that is." An actual, very graphic, sexually graphic novel in the thing, mm-hmm. and they're, oh, you're just a book burner and all this stuff. It's like, no, I'm the rational adult who's saying this should not happen. And mm-hmm. I think more and more people have to be willing to take those. You know, it's like uh, if there's a hijacker on the plane and the gun, the guy with the gun has six bullets. Well, you can't keep the whole plane of 200 people, but no one wants to be the first person to stand up and get shot. Right. But I think people are finally standing up and be like, "Okay, I'll take the beating on Twitter and say this is wrong. And it's amazing, I think, how quickly some of this stuff will change and it will change in a libertarian way. Mm-hmm. It won't have to be done with laws, you know. Maybe repealing stuff that's already there, funding for stuff. But if people just stand up and say, "Nope, not doing it, not going along, not going to support it," that is, to me, that's the that's the way out of this. I think it's starting to happen. I think that the fact that Twitter is now a a freer place is maybe maybe playing a part in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're able to ridicule people, and ridicule goes a long way. Um, yeah. When- make fun of these ideas we used to not be able to make fun of these ideas
0: mm-hmm.
1: can't make fun of an idea it it can it can snowball but now we can make fun of ideas that are bad ideas and people become a little more like questionable about whether or not they want to be as perverse as they're being perhaps
0: yeah i saw i won't name who it was if if you know who it is and you want to say you can but cuz i can't quite remember all the details but there was someone who was kind of on our general side of things who was saying, oh, you shouldn't ridicule people's ideas and and things like that. You should always, you know, um, come at them and, uh, with respect and understanding. And I think that is interpersonal relationships. And if you have, you know, that's how you deal with people one-on-one, but in a public forum, like, I think it is, I think it's essential to use humor and mocking and stuff like that to, uh to get your point across because um uh, that's the thing is they the other side they're you know, not the gonna, other si- they're not yeah.
1: gonna be nice.
0: mm-hmm. right and they haven't been nice and they they um they also have you know talking about uh you know you're, you're mentioning that this is now all in the schools and stuff and we see again on twitter and other places you know these crazy teachers who are i'm sure one percent of one percent who are actually the really crazy ones, but they are playing the long game, right? The left has always played a long game. We will, uh, in, you know, we'll take over academia. We'll start, you know, going into the other professions like HR and K through 12 and, and all this stuff. And they're willing to gradually push the envelope just a little bit um, uh, every year on this issue. And then on that issue. And if you don't, uh, push back at that one way or another. Sometimes it's just by noncompliance. Sometimes it's by ridicule. Um, they're going to keep going, you know? Uh, and so I, I think to, to uh, it's like feeding the alligator, right? And hoping that he eats you last, <laughs> you know, being nice to him. It's just like we, uh, uh, you know, I'm not for violence or, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, threatening people or whatever.
1: We're long, long past civility now. At this point, now, now it's ridicule and yeah. it's dragging them mercilessly until they they back off on this awful, awful, awful idea that they have. What yeah. I do, what I do, and I found is um, is very productive actually. Anytime somebody brings up book burning, all right, they always say it's about Florida, right? Florida's burning books, and it's not something that we do, right? So mm-hmm. I, say, and I could get really graphic here, so I say, Go oh, on. yeah, I'm like, you know. What's your favorite part of genderqueer? Was it the incest or was it the two little boys giving each other?
0: Yeah.
1: What's your favorite part? And that's, that's it. That's because that's what they're protecting. So I'm like, all right, we'll be specific. Okay. Lawn boy. What's your favorite part? Was it the part where the 10 year old got or his friend got by the adult yeah. male? Which one was, yeah. it or was when they fought over the adult male as if it was a consensual thing? Mm-hmm. Which, which one? see, this is how gross these books are. And these are the books that were on DeSantis Burns. So that's right. the adults that are defending them. I actually ratioed uh, the mayor of New York City on it. Um, <laughs> that
0: <they're talking> guy. <laughs>
1: never, never answered me. They never answer.
0: <laughs> wow. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, in, in the whole concept of like book burning, like deciding, you know, obviously... Burning
1: taking porn out of middle school libraries. That's not book burning. Book burning is changing the words of a Roald Dahl book, which is what they are doing. That is yeah. changing the words. That is closer to book burning than taking porn out of a library.
0: Well, but also with a with a public school, mm-hmm. like you can't have every single concept in the curriculum. You can't have every book in the library. So there is some exclusion and selection going on. Mm-hmm. And so to to select some things... In favor of others, and to make it age appropriate, yeah. is not anything close to banning books. Like it's right. just like, oh, we're not going to put it in there. And we're not restricting sexist. They existence.
1: want to do the stigma because that's what they have. They have their, in the way that we have our humor. They have their words and their name calling and their stigmas, and so that's what they do. So that's why they call someone a racist or a Nazi but when you say your words have no power here that's it you've you've neutralized them you've disarmed them
0: yeah.
1: um the same thing goes for book burning's like that is not book burning that is not book burning that is porn in libraries and we are getting rid of it because there's no place for porn with an 11 year old no place
0: right and it's it, it one could argue it's even worse than that because it's mm-hmm. got an explicit message that's you know it's not just a dirty picture it's a it's a narrative you know saying that this is okay. And, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, I agree. So what do you think? Um, I know you're, you go on Tim cast, what, why, um, what has made him so uh, a- as big and as popular as he is?
1: Um, I'm biased because he is one of my dear friends, but um, he will talk to anybody. And he will push back against anybody and he will let people speak and he will ask them questions. And he's always done that. And that is something people are craving in society for that sort of open communication. They 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 want that. And that's something that he's just always done. He found he, he cornered that market and he's like, This is this is what we're gonna do. And you know, that's why Joe Rogan's so popular. That's why Steven Crowder's so popular. They have these they'll they'll talk to anybody. And yeah that's that's what we want now we we need that we we crave that in our society
0: yeah i think it's amazing like when when joe rogan first started getting popular i was like i don't get it like he's just like sits around and talks to people and it's it's okay uh-huh. but like i guess i wasn't uh, i guess because i was already kind of punched out from the media and wasn't like just i i didn't see the significance of that until a couple of years into his popularity, is like, Oh, I see, because you can't find this, um, anywhere else. And I think that that should show people just what a, a strange time we're living in and how actually really, really dangerous the regime is, is that when simply having a mature, respectful conversation with someone is like this revolutionary, uh, taboo thing. And, uh, um, I think it's, I, I think you're right about that's kind of Tim's appeal too. And Tim is, I think from what I've heard, um, you know, he's not, I think Joe kind of, you know, tries to be very agreeable and and will let people say things and not push back much, but the way Tim does it, I think does it in a, in a really good way that is, you know, he's not like, Oh, you're a racist. Get off my show. He's just like, yeah. Oh, this is what, this is why I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh so what's it like uh, being being part of that? Uh, what what uh, uh, not being on a, a show that big and and, and all? What uh, what kind of feeling do you get uh, doing that kind of work?
1: I feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself. I feel like I have a purpose um, bigger than myself. Um, you know, it's not just like I my purpose is like my children. Um, you know, because I'm I'm growing the next the next generation and they have mm-hmm. to be wonderful and amazing. So that's, that's my main purpose. But this other thing that I do, my work is also another purpose. And it's, 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 a, it's an enormous one. I feel like I can be part of spreading a message and um, opening people's eyes up to Liberty and freedom and things that they may have forgotten about or never really even knew existed and how that all works. And I, I just feel like that's so so important and I'm, I'm thankful and I'm blessed every day that I just, I, I get to do what I do and that I've built what I've built and that I have the friends that I do. And I'm just, I'm just humbled and
0: grateful. Yeah. He, um, is he still getting like, I know for a while there, he was getting swatted
1: once in a while and all that has it happened in a while, which is good. He got yeah. swatted 20 times last year. Um, so it hasn't happened in a while, which is, is it just,
0: is it just like a couple of people or is it? is it coordinated what did and, and if you can't talk about it that's fine but like what happens with the swattings yeah like is it just random people doing it or is it a concerted effort
1: they don't know who's doing it i don't think they ever found out who's doing it but the like they knew it was happening and by the point you know they would have to run run through the motions and um all 20 times that it happened you know they have to shut everything down and have the place inspected and it was more of an inconvenience and a nuisance than anything. But when you're swatting somebody, you're trying to get men with guns to go into their house and shoot them. That's, yeah. that's the goal. That's, that's what you want to happen. You want an irresponsible police officer to do it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first time it happened, it was, it was terrified. I was so worried. Um, then after that, you know, the police became familiar and they were cautious and, you know, it was a little easier, but yeah, I, I don't, don't swap people. It's bad. Yeah
0: yeah yeah it's yeah well you should never call the police for any reason ever mm-hmm. um and if you do have to call the police you call your lawyer first and mm-hmm. have him call the police for you um That's very smart. yeah yeah um so you're gonna be uh i think on at least one of the take human action tour stops i think in austin right yes
1: yeah, so i'll be in austin for sure um Really, fingers crossed, hoping I somehow get put in Nashville because it's so close to me. But um, Austin, I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually in Knoxville, and I'm. I'm going to be our host for the Nashville thing. So if you get to, um, I'll see what I can do if we can uh, fit you in there. But uh, so what? Uh, what? Just give me your take on, you know, what we're trying to do at the Mises Caucus. What? What do you like about it, and what could we do? What could we do better, and what would you? what are you going to tell us? A uh, little sneak preview of that. Um, uh, what are you going to tell us in Austin?
1: Um, in Austin, I'm going to be talking about the Articles of the Confederation and uh, what happened at the Constitutional Convention, the five major arguments uh, that happened um, that shifted us from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution and kind of that process of how that, that worked. Um, so I'll just be telling that story, essentially. Um, Mises Caucus, I, I love what you guys are doing i i actually i'm a small l libertarian even in my title the redheaded libertarian i have a small l and a lot of people it either makes them mad or they get it right away it depends um i did that because the party the old regime before my uh before mises came in and took over repelled me like they were they were democrats that's all they were and um they used all the same language, and they, the identitarianism, and um, I didn't want any part of it because it wasn't libertarianism. And you guys came in, and we're aligned. We're aligned, and just about every single faction, whether it comes to uh, life or um, freedom or or anything, and I was like, all right, well, if this this works. I'm able to feel like I can um, I can speak with you guys, and uh, I feel like we're we're aligned in a way that I can I can help. Yeah. You know, which is great. I didn't feel that before.
0: Well, I, I'm glad too. And, and that's the thing is we're all about coalition building and we'd like for people to join the LP mm-hmm. um, for one reason or another, not everybody is going to. Um, but, you know, we work together on the things we agree on and I, I'm sure there's like a 95% overlap between, you know, us and, and you. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas some of the people at the war rally, there might be a 10% overlap, but it's a, it's the important 10%. So um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you and other people like you are, are, are taking that, um, y- you know, seeing our, our thinking on that and saying, yeah, let's run with this. We don't have to be uh, together on 100% of things, but uh, we do need to work together uh, when we can. So I- I'm really glad to, to, to be able to have you on the tour. Uh, look forward to that. Um, tell us just a little bit what what are you doing right now? How can people connect with you? And uh, uh, we'll put all that on the show notes page too. But uh, uh, what if people haven't checked you out yet? How how do they do that? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm you
1: know, like oh no. <laughs>
0: the sneeze happens right at the right at the right time. Right. right at Go the ahead.
1: Right. Right. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at t r h l official. Um, also on YouTube at the redheaded libertarian and the redheaded libertarian.com. You can go there and find all of my links to all of my fun things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I go on podcasts and I do my spaces and I'm on Twitter and this is just my life and I'm just loving it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> keep up the good work. I hope Thanks. I'll see you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, we really appreciate you helping us out and, uh, uh, and we'll be in touch. Okay.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me here.
0: All right. There you have it. I'd like to thank Josie for her time and for her wisdom and uh, just for all that she does, uh, mixing it up on Twitter for uh, the libertarian movement. Um, I really appreciate uh, what she does and uh, to have her as part of the Timcast uh, crew uh, is great, too, of course. And I really want to thank her for um, planning to be with us in Austin at the Take Human Action Tour on april 29th go to takeyouanactualtour.com uh to get your tickets and uh find out about uh, uh who else is going to be there and if you can't make it to austin come to one of the other uh events uh thanks to my co-producer simon calpin and thanks to dave versus goliath for all the music you hear on decentralized revolution uh check us out at decentralizedrevolution.com and the show notes page for this one is of course uh, uh After the dot com, you do the slash one zero one. And uh, thanks to everyone who shares, rates, reviews, subscribes to Decentralized Revolution. Please do that, especially with the new stuff coming. Uh, You want to, uh, uh, more people need to to see what we're going to be putting out. And uh, so I appreciate you helping us out there. And if you want to subscribe to our email list to find out about what's going on uh, before it happens. um, And if you want to give to Mises Pack. Um, go over to takehumanaction.com. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.